Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard Creative Team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. All right, so our guest today is an Emmy-nominated interior designer with a hit TV show, his eponymous design firm, and now his first book, Bobby Burke. His book, Right at Home, How Good Design is Good for the Mind with Clarkson Potter was just released last month. So Bobby, thank you. Welcome to the show. We're so thrilled to have you and to have gotten a chance to read your, your brand new book. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay. You obviously have um, you know, a hit TV show that people all know about, Queer Eye. We're not going to talk about that today, though, because... <laughs> You've got a book, but, um, you know, for any listeners maybe that aren't, you know, familiar with your story and how you got into design, can you just give everybody kind of a little preview similar to the one you, you kind of give in your book about how you got into design and how you got started? Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like I kind of got into design at like five or six years old, even without even even realizing it. Um, you know, I was like five or six when my mom, she had decorated my room in, in all red, like red bedspread, red curtains, red pillows. It was, you know, fire engine red, Dalmatian pillows. Um, and there was just something about it for me. It did, it did not feel good. It did not feel right. It did not feel zen. You know, I couldn't articulate all those things as a five or six-year-old little kid, but I knew I did not like sitting there staring at a bunch of red. Um, so I saved up all of my little $20 birthday checks for my aunts and grandma. And I talked my mom into taking me to the store and I found a dinosaur poster that I loved because I was obsessed with dinosaurs. And I got a bunch of blue bedding and curtains and pillows that like coordinated with the dinosaur poster. And so I, my design career kind of started then, even though, you know, again, I didn't really think of it as obviously my destiny at the time, but, um, yeah, I always say my, my design career started at like five or six years old. And then, you know, I left home at 15 so that, you know, going to school for design wasn't really in the cards for me. Um, going to school at all wasn't in the cards for me. You know, I left home at 15. I, I left high school at 15 as well. Um, so I ended up working a lot of retail and restaurants and... I ended up, uh, I'll skip a few cities on the way here, but I, I ended up in, in New York at about 21, 22. And my first job was restoration hardware. And I was merchandising manager. So I was in charge of like making, you know, doing the displays and keeping the store nice. But I also like worked on the sales floor as well, helping people pick out furniture, um, helping people pick out restoration hardware furniture that could not fit in their New York City apartments. It was it was interesting. It was fun. <laughs> um, and after that, I, I bounced around a little bit to some other furniture retail. And then eventually in about 2007, 2006, 2007, I, um, I launched my own website online to sell furniture and it wasn't really something that I ever thought would be a success. Like it literally, it was just, I had built the e-commerce division for a company I had worked for and they went bankrupt and I'm like, well, 
let me just clone this and put it under Bobby Burke home real quick. And maybe I'll sell a sofa or two while I look for another job. Um, but it, I sold more than a few and it, it did well. Um, my biggest hurdle though was getting manufacturers to sell to me because everyone was like online, no one's going to buy furniture online. No one's going to buy anything online for the home. Um, and so eventually to kind of circumvent that, I ended up opening up a storefront in Soho um, that's a whole other long story about how I accomplished that. But I opened up a store in Soho just to kind of get manufacturers to sell to me so I'd have a brick and mortar location. And then that did well. So I opened up Miami and then Atlanta and then LA. And I started building the brand a bit more and getting more brand awareness and started licensing out my name and making some small appearances on shows. And so as my name got bigger and I, I started designing more because I, you know, customers would want me to design their they help them pick out everything, design their home. Um, I, I got asked around 2014, 2015 to design the show homes for the International Builder Show in Vegas. And I said yes, even though I had no idea what I was doing, because this wasn't just picking out pretty things and curtains and art. This was like actual needing to know how to put together construction documents and knowing how to do CAD and, and all that, none of which I knew how to do because I had no formal training in design whatsoever. But I said, yes, absolutely, I can do that. Um, it's funny, I just saw the person who made that call um, 24 hours ago at my book tour in, in D.C. So I kind of owe all this to him, Martin, if you're out there. <laughs> um, and, you know, so that those houses were a huge success. And as my licensing and design had started being more successful and store leases were up, I actually started getting rid of my stores because retail is a very, very hard monster that completely takes over your entire life. And I had no desire for that to be my life forever. Um, the whole point of retail was to get brand awareness out there and then try to do something different, which luckily worked. And then um, 2017 came along and I got a call wanting me to audition for a little show that was coming back. And long story short, I got that show. And yeah, now I'm here. <laughs> Okay, so where did the decision to to write a book come from? Because that, you know, that's a whole different um, animal because really this is a how-to book. So you're teaching design yeah. as much as you are just showcasing your beautiful designs that you've done for clients. Yeah, so I it's taken me a while to decide, not to decide to write a book. I've wanted to write a design book for years, you know, our show came out and all of my castmates, they all did books right away. And everyone's like, why haven't you done one? Where is your book? Fans would be like, they, they literally send pictures of my four other castmates book and like put a, like a circle, the empty spot next to it. I'm like, where's your book? I have everybody else's. Why haven't you put one out yet? And I was like, relax, relax. I am, you know, I'm figuring out how I want to do this because and this is not a knock on any design book out there. I mean, I'm sure there's some that are that are not good, but you know, in a in a bad way. But this is not a knock on any other design book. Every design book that cultivates people to be interested in design is amazing. But for me, I find that a lot of design books out there make even myself feel inadequate about my space. They make me feel bad about my space. They they give you a picture of 
spaces that are really kind of unachievable. And like, I know this because I understand what is standing behind that camera that just took that photo. And it's probably a half a dozen people, some of them standing there with strings to hold up that branch just perfectly, you know, and there's piles of stuff behind them that they've moved out of that photo to make it look just perfect. But for the everyday person, they stare at that and they're just like, oh, we'll see. Other people can live like this in just these beautiful spaces. Why is my space just, it's always a mess. It's always clutter. Like, why is my life not this picture perfect? I didn't want to do a book like that. I wanted to do a book that would really empower people to feel good about their spaces and was really just all about the, the take of mental health on a space. And it wasn't about the the things you put in your home. I mean, it, it is and it isn't. It's, it's not about the money you can spend on your home. It's not about how perfect your home can look. It's really about how your home makes you feel. And so that's how I decided to do this book. I really wanted to do a book that would help people. And I couldn't think of a better way to help people than to really teach them how much their mental health not just their mental health, but even like, I don't want to say you're doing your home in the, in the right way will make you achieve all your goals and successes in the world, but it can sure absolutely help, you know? So that's how I decided to um, write this book. <laughs> yeah. This book is so much more than a design book. It really digs into deep about what makes you happy and how your space can affect, you know, every aspect of your life, which I think is just great in really approachable ways. Like even the Mad Libs on figuring out like how how you feel about your the things in your home would like cracked me up, but it was so practical, and I need to go back and fill that in. <laughs> and and I love that you brought up the, the, the yeah, I can't speak again. Been up since two a.m. Uh, I love that you mentioned the parts that you can fill out because again, most design books are a designer, and again, not knocking this, but a designer kind of giving their philosophy on what a space should look like. This is my design aesthetic. This is how you should do it. My book is all about trying to help people figure out what their, and I even say, let's normalize not asking people what their design aesthetic is, but trying to find what makes them happy. So there are there's work pages in the book. I, I want you to really actually sit there and think about it. And there's no better way to actually really think about it than to write something out. So it's like, you know, when was the last time uh, you felt safe? You know, what was the last thing that made you happy? You know, it's, it's all about you really thinking about what makes you tick. Well, and I just love that the message was, I mean, you say it in there that design is for everyone. And, yeah. you know, I think that's beautiful because even where we work, you know, we, we always are trying to help everybody, you know, help customers achieve the look and the mm -hmm. feeling and the vibe and the things they want and enjoy. So, um, I loved that aspect of your book. Thank you. Yeah. I really want everybody to know that you're, you're the best designer for you is you. And granted, like, obviously I'm, I don't want to diminish what interior designers do. You know, that's my job. You know, yes, if, if you have the time and the money and, and, and the want to hire a designer, absolutely hire a designer. But this book, you know, is it also a really great book for somebody who is hiring a designer? Because it actually, you're kind of doing a bit of the homework for the designer of figuring out what you like so that you can really articulate that to a designer. Absolutely. But I mainly wrote this book for the people who, who can't or, or don't want to hire a designer who, but really want their home to, to be a sanctuary and a place to recharge. That's what this book is all about. Yeah. It was interesting. Cause it, um, 
it's really not even even about furniture or like seating plans <clears throat> or um no you know the the things that you talk about are your happiness function <clears throat> color engaging mm-hmm. the senses, um, lighting, plants, sleep. lighting. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't even, I was, I kind of got to the end and I was like, wait, <laughs> where's the, <laughs> there, it's not even like, you know, oh, this is, you know, you need these key pieces or it was just, it was, no. it was more um, abstract than that, which I love because that is more universal. And it, it kind of goes to what you're talking about with, um, you know, in the, in the beginning you say any style, you know, ignore trends, mm-hmm. get get what you love, focus on yourself. And so having those sort of broad concepts behind what makes a beautiful home makes it easy to apply to any style, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And then, yes, it is filled with tons and tons of beautiful pictures, <laughs> you know. So there is still a lot of design inspiration for you to, you know, if, if you happen to stumble across a picture in there that you're like, oh, my God, this space and on this page this feels like me. Oh my, I love, I love this. I love this. I love it. Great. But you know, it's, there's, there's absolutely definitely not one like specific look throughout the whole book. Every single picture is a different from traditional to modern to mid-century to Scandinavian to Japani to, you know, every single different type of look in there and, and none with a heavier weight than others. None with like, this is better than this. This is worse than this. It's, it's all about finding what you love. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I actually like to say that this, you know, it's been categorized as a design book because I'm, you know, a designer, but I I actually like to say it's, it's really more of a mental wellness checklist help book, you know, that, that really just happens to use design to help get you there. Well, I wanted to talk about on that where function is so important to you. And uh-huh. one of the things that you talk about is it's important to recognize like when and where things aren't working in your home so that you can fix mm-hmm. those things and looking out for things that end up being a domino effect that, so what are some, what are some places that you like to focus on in someone's home when you're going in and think about function? I mean, my favorite space to really go full fledged on function is, is always the kitchen. Like, I think that's such a great starting place, starting spot. Um, it really is. I always say the kitchen is the heart of the home. And I mean, it, it really, really truly is, you know, you start your day there, you probably end your day there. You have so many amazing moments with your family and, you know, every single chapter has a room guide as well. And one of the chapters of the room guide is the kitchen. And it says the kitchen should be your sous chef. You shouldn't need anybody. I mean, of course you want somebody. It's great to share that with people. But, you know, your kitchen should be set up in a way that you don't need a sous chef sitting there assisting you. Everything is within arm's length, you know. And like even I was talking earlier this week about, you know, my husband does most of the kitchen cooking. He loves to cook. I, I do not like to cook. And, you know, when I did the kitchen, everything was, you know, within my arm's length, you know. My husband's five six. I'm six foot, so it was in my <laughs> arms, like, but not his. And I, I, you know, I've since like kind of redid the kitchen layout of of where things are organized based on the person who likes to use the kitchen the most, which is him, not me. You know, I had him a little stool, but it, it's not as as helpful <laughs> as it is to just to just have it, you know, in his in his arms arms reach. Um, so it's yeah, the kitchen is one of my favorite places because it, it really. The kitchen is so much more than just a place to cook. It really is, 
you know, the heart of the home. And the bathrooms too, you know, function wise. The stool. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> He's got to get on a little stool every time he wants to cook. <laughs> well, no, not that, just like not to get something. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. To get some things off of like upper <laughs> shelves that were things that he used all the time. That's where they ended up because when I. When I, you know, put things away in cabinets, I don't yeah. think of the fact that totally, this isn't accessible. Totally. It's completely accessible for me. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I had to reevaluate who used the kitchen the most and and function it for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and bathrooms, I I agree too. I I like that what you said, which is essentially like your bathroom is the first place you hid in the morning and the last place you are in the mm-hmm. evening. So like, if it's a cluster, you're gonna feel that energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the, one chapter that I like to talk about um, is, you know, I have a chapter about sleep, you know, my 10 sleep mantras, sleep mantras. And it's, you know, I've always had a problem sleeping. Um, I'm a very light sleeper. I have a hard time going to sleep. Um, and, And there's not, I don't think really any design books out there that talk about engaging your space for sleep. And it's not just about your bed and your bedding. It's about everything in your room, you know, if you have a hard time sleeping, you should make sure that your bedroom is then just for sleep. I mean, other things are fine too, but you know, the things like TV, things like reading books, like working, you should not be doing that in your bedroom. If you have a hard time sleeping, your mind should be trained that when you are in that space, that space is the sanctuary for sleep, not for work, because your mind subconsciously is still going to sit there running and thinking about work or watching TV when they should be sleeping, you know, keeping your nightstand clear of clutter. If you have clutter right next to your head, when you go to sleep and right next to your head, when you wake up, you know, clutter around you creates chaos in your mind. Um, decorate, you know, thinking about all the senses in your room, you know, not just touch of the sheets, but also smell, you know, as you can tell, I was talking earlier, I'm very stuffy. Um, I, one of the things that keeps me from sleeping is allergies. And so I, I, um, I have a eucalyptus tree in my yard and I, every few months I cut a new little branch to put in my room because eucalyptus keeps your airways open at night. So just to have that natural mm-hmm. eucalyptus and if people out here in California that have easily access to that because we have them everywhere, but, and, and lavender as well, you know, obviously most people know that lavender is, is relaxing. So fresh sprigs of lavender or, or essential oils of those things. I, I do preface that. Try to stay away from any synthetic fragrances and, and you will know if it's synthetic because it is just listed as fragrance. Um, and if it is just listed as fragrance, they don't want you to know what's in it. And there's probably thousands of different ingredients in that fragrance to achieve that synthetic fragrance, uh, that synthetic smell. So try to do like natural essential oils. But um, lighting is a whole chapter that we talk about as well, which also ties into sleep. You know, I talk to a lot of people and they're like, oh, yeah, I have a hard time sleeping. I'm like, do you have your lights on dimmers? Do you like lower your lights in the evening? And they're like, oh, no, you know, I'm usually reading. I'm under a bright light or I'm watching TV. So I have the lights up. I'm like, well, our bodies, you know, we evolved under the stars. Our, our bodies naturally, when it gets dark, start producing melatonin because they're like, oh, okay, it's time to sleep. So if we're sitting under a bright light, our body is not subconsciously producing that melatonin and it is not preparing us for bed, which is why so many people lay awake for hours in bed because their body's like, oh, sleep? Okay, okay, you know, give me a couple hours. Let me get let me get my brain ready for this. So dimming your lights down low at night, you know, it's it really is all about the senses. And and another part of the the light chapter is talking about the different warmth levels of light, you know, from like Kelvin scale, like twenty seven hundred being really warm and you know, five thousand being kind of a bright blue light. 
And I personally am not a huge fan of bright blue light. I like warmer light in my space. I can tell you lady, ladies do as well, looking at your spaces. That being said, the sun emits blue light, and it's actually very energizing. So if you are in a space where you're in a work-from-home environment and you find that you're kind of in a sleepy lull, changing that bulb out to a, a more blue bulb will actually be energizing for you and, and will be good for those types of spaces, you know, bedrooms, rooms that you're relaxing in. It's better to have warm light. And we talk about the different types of light, task lamps, overhead lights, this and that. So we do go into like the basics of design as well. But this book, like I said, it is really more about the mental health aspect of design. I have to say, reading this book, there were so many times, and we read a lot of design books, okay? And not <laughs> always when I read a design book am I like applying it to my home. I think it's probably because of what you said earlier, where it's like <laughs> an incredibly gorgeous, over-the-top you know, thing where you're like, oh, maybe this is for my one-day house. But going through this book, I kept thinking like, oh, yeah, I probably, I need to go declutter I was sitting here reading the thing about the the workspace and I was like, actually, I need to clean this up real quick. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> Oh, I, I think I should take that off of my nightstand because so I was literally going through this and every single page thinking, oh, yeah. Um, gosh. And like Caroline, I did the same. I lit I was reading it and I immediately like slathered on my lavender oil and lit my candles <laughs> like, you know what, I'm going to take the last two hours of this work day and like Namaste. Get myself relaxed for this. So thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Of course. Yes. Uh, all of that to say, it's a very, I think reader, I think listeners will find that the book is so easy to take um, notes, but also to just sort of apply it, whether you're planning to redo some rooms or whether you're just looking to sort of zhuzh up what you've already got. It's it's so easy to apply all of the, the points you make. But it's a self-help book. Like you can put it in both sections of Barnes and Noble. Like I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's on Amazon. It's actually in, in tons of different categories. And I, was always, I'm, I'm, I always find it funny when I like stumble on it in a category. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that. Yeah, I guess that works too. <laughs> <laughs> Travel, maybe. I don't know. Is that? The... <laughs> um, maybe the next one. The next one. Next one. Um well, you also have a whole section about plants. I, I love a good house yes. plant. So this, Me too. Um, it is a starter guide for anybody who is so scared. Um, and I love that for everyone. You know, I think plants are very, very important. You know, not only obviously are they literally the reason why we can breathe um, and they clean the air, but they, they release endorphins. You know, they make us happy. I, again, our our species, we, we evolved in nature, like that is where we are from. And so to surround ourselves in nature is very important to our DNA. Um, so if you have a house void of any life, that's, you know, not great. And that being said, I know there are some spaces that are just not conducive to plants living. And so if you keep having to replace plants that die on you constantly, that is also not good for your mental health. So I am pro faux. I am pro faux. I am fine with a good faux plant. You know, you might not be getting the air cleaning aspect of it, but your mind subconsciously is still getting that those endorphins of, of a plant. And, and that includes even like pictures of plants, you know, great like leafy photos and stuff. You're still kind of getting that little piece of nature in your mind. So if you if you kill plants a lot, don't keep doing that to yourself. <laughs> 
get, you know, get a, get a good faux plant, get a good faux plant. I love that. Yeah, that's me. Well, there's also, again, there are places in your home where like you would love to have something like visually you're like, I really feel something with height or green, but I know there's not enough light per se. Um, So I have, that's where I've dug into a few faux for sure. Um, Snake plants. And we talk Mm. about snake plants in the book. They're such a good starter plant because they are almost impossible to kill. They I, there's one in my living room that's kind of behind a sofa. She's really tall. And this, honestly, sometimes I forget about her for months and she still thrives. <laughs> she still thrives. She's still fine. I'm like, you look absolutely no different than you did the last day I watered you. Um, so it's a good plant. And, and because they get tall and they have good texture, it's, it's a good decorating plant too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we talk about in the book of how to use plants as, as decor too, you know, not just for their, their mental health properties. Well, speaking of that, I love the way that you style um, surfaces in the book. I Thanks. assume that you styled most of these, but can you kind of give people your your fate? Like so many consoles, I was like, oh, I like lo- they're perfectly um, like edited, but still interesting and sculptural. And I see, I don't like a lot of space that's covered like i would like some empty space and i i just felt like you had like the perfect negative space and what are what are your what are your sort of rules well i mean my rules and and this is always my answer with rules i'm like my rules are there aren't any rules well i do actually believe in one very golden rule of design and it's scale um scale is so important when people are like oh you know what are your hard and fast rules in design i'm like my rules are there are no rules except scale because scale will make a a space dysfunctional you know i was in a a hotel in dc recently and i'm not going to say which one because i don't want to throw this designer under the bus because they had impeccable taste with the items they chose um just the items they chose were all too big for the space and so you felt like pac-man kind of going through this room like going around this and going around this and just like everything was just a little too big even like the sconce on the wall in the entrance i kept almost hitting my head on it because it came out from the wall too far <laughs> Um, so scale is very important, you know, don't just go out because, oh, I love this piece. Bobby said, if I love it to get it, well, yes, but if it's too big for your space, you might love it for a day, but then you're going to be so annoyed by it when it really disrupts the flow and the energy of your space. Um, but with surfaces, like you mentioned, negative space, don't fill a whole surface, you know, and unless, unless you're into maximalism. You know, some people really do absolutely love filling every nook and cranny. Um, I am not that person. Um, I know there's quite a few things back on this thing, but then uh, honestly, this is kind of, I normally have a green screen up here because this is kind of the place where everything, all the random decor from shoots just gets like put back here on the shelf. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so when it comes to surfaces, I like using things that are, are different sizes, different shapes, you know, don't do everything that's has sharp, you know, square edges, do things with nice round curves, you know, um, different heights, different levels, you know, everything with one height, it, it just looks weird. You Nothing stands out as special. So make sure, you know, I like, and especially like credences and stuff, I love leaning art against walls. And then starting that way, instead of like putting it on the wall, I like to lean it on the wall. And then also, you know, for higher areas, you can't put it on the wall and cascade it down. 
but yeah, so it's, it's hard to say what are my rules for it because it really does vary on the, on the face of the client yeah, and the feel. You know, I'm all about the feel. Well, that, nope, that was good. You've got, you know, cover some different heights, <laughs> change shapes, you know, mm. something angular with something, something organic. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good. I'm yeah. just going to have to comb through and like, you know, zero in and all my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's some some really unexpected nuggets in here. Like you say that a sofa can literally be anything. Like, yeah, you know, I living in New York, I there was so many times like I couldn't fit a sofa, but you know what? It, it doesn't always have to be. It it can be a daybed. It could be a mattress. You know, a twin mattress with pillows against the wall. You know, it could be you know a bunch of small little cubes that you put together to create a, a space. So. You know, anything can be a sofa with, you know, within reason, obviously. <laughs> and well, we didn't speak about your color chapter two, and that one was so great to really think about it from a color theory perspective as well. Um, and I just love that this book, again, why I said it was self-help, because it really is like, takes it back to you personally mm -hmm. and really makes you reflect on yourself and think about like, okay, like I do like I love an orange and why why do I love an orange and why is it interesting um so I think everybody who gets your book in their hands will love kind of you know zeroing in on why they are picking things and even the wardrobe and you tie it to your wardrobe too <laughs> or whatever yeah you know I, people are like oh how do I figure out what I like in my home and I'm like a really great place honestly to start is is go to your closet because you more than likely picked everything every single thing in your closet, you chose those things, not other people, you know, unless you, you have a stylist, but for the most part, that, that was all you. So go look in your closet, see if you have a lot of stuff with shirts with pop art on them, or, you know, everything is all black or there are lots of earth tones. And that's a really great place to start for your home too. Well, you also have like a color wheel in here and you talk about undertones. So can you kind of maybe give people like, what, what do you, how do, how do you employ the color wheel when you're designing um well if it's if it's for a client it's it's all about figuring out what what colors make you know make them happy it's figuring out what the space is going to be used for you know if it's a space like it's a bedroom that it needs to be a relaxing zen space we we go for those relaxing zen colors if it's if it's a workspace we might go for some more of those energizing colors you know, but at the end of the day, it, it really does go back. And I, I know this is kind of like my squeaky will answer of like, it goes back to what makes them happy, but it really is, you know, it's, and which is why we went so in depth on the colors in the book, because I, I really want people to think about their choice of, and don't just go out and, and pick any color unless, you know, you see a color and it's just instantly like, oh my God, this speaks to my soul. I have to have this, but it might speak to your soul and you have to have this, but then you think about, oh, Actually, in the book, Bobby teaches me that this color is really energizing. And a lot of this color probably wouldn't be the best thing for my bedroom if I actually have a hard time sleeping. Mm -hmm. Or I love this color, but I was putting this in my workspace and this color has a tendency to really kind of like it's then it relaxes you. Probably not a color I should put in my workspace. So that's why we, we really went in depth with the color color chapter because I, I want you to, to do what you love, but I also want you to think about how those things can make you feel. Yeah, this color section was probably one of my favorite parts. Yay. 
I just loved the layout of everything, how you like had it all scratched out, like even that fun play. And I know that's Liz's world in general yeah. at work. So I'm sure you were loving all of that. <laughs> oh, totally. It definitely makes it feel that it's your voice and you're going in there mm-hmm. on every spread and just like guiding people through in the most friendly way and making sure that they feel that they're special and that they can make their own home their way. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love all the illustrations. We worked with a really great illustrator that was really able to, to bring a lot of these pages that, especially some of the pages that are a bit more technical of things that could tend to be just like, Oh, let me just skip over this. This isn't, this is not a pretty picture. I think the illustrations really make people engage in the in the words that we're saying and really make it come to life and instead of just like let me skim through and look at the pictures let me actually learn something from this well also the language i mean i don't know of any other design book that will use the phrase sexy af throughout or, <laughs> or <laughs> af as many times as you did that was really fun it's really, really fun. and how your name is integrated into so many other words is also fantastic <laughs> What a Bobby a Bobbypedia? <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so some of those some of those moments were definitely our publisher being like, um, you shouldn't use your name into things more. It's cute. And I'm like, mm, okay, okay, I'll do it. You're like, I'm fine, I'll do it. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 let's do it. <laughs> Was there anything that surprised you in the process of writing a book? Um not really. I think I, I have a lot of friends who are authors and, and not just in the design world, but in, in many different genres. And so I, I've had a couple of really close friends who have published books. And so I've kind of been around from the start of the idea to the end and kind of saw what they would go through and mm-hmm. both good and bad. So I don't think there was a lot that surprised me. You know, I was lucky I had a very great co-author Jamie Park that was able to help me bring all this to life because with my ADD this would have taken seven years instead of the two (laughs) years that it took Um, she was absolutely phenomenal and she's a huge fan of Queer Eyes so she (laughs) would often bring up things that I've said in the past and I was like I don't even remember saying that when did I say that she's like oh well you said it blah 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 I'm like oh my god okay (laughs) super fan I this this is perfect you know so and I I got really lucky that I I had an amazing partner that helped me get this book on on page in a a way that was really able to be understood yeah because again I'm always like oh something shiny and something new (laughs) yeah I have a hard time like squirrel oh that's how you should have known the magic word and my dog is like what where (laughs) (laughs) so do you now think that your book is out do you now think it's better than your partner's on queer eye (laughs) is yours the best or you're not allowed to say he, his jaw has dropped, so he's not going to answer. Don't answer that. Don't answer. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think that's a. I don't think that's. A it's not a safe. Yet. It's not a safe question. It's like when uh, Vanity Fair, Vanity Fair did made Troy Savant do that um, lie detector test that they always do, uh-huh. and they're like, "Do you think you have a better eye than Bobby on Queer Eye?" Oh no! And he and he's like, "I I really like my eye." And they're like, no, it's a yes or no question. And he's like, 
Oh. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I, I'm fine with that because I've seen Troy's house and it is absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, ah, yeah. Oh, all of my, every single, none of our books are anywhere close to the same. So they are all perfect. True. In their own way. True. <laughs> Well, I also wanted when I was, you know, just looking up your information after I finished your book, uh, I was looking at your rental homes and I just had a question about like um, your Casa, if you're talking about, yes, Um, how beautiful and how that came to be. Thank you. Um, I I love the desert. I've always wanted a home there. I feel very at peace in the desert. I'm heading out there Sunday, actually. Um, But I... I don't care how big and successful I get. I just can't justify it as like having an extra home. That just uh-huh. it still blows my mind. So I'm like, how can I, I get a, a space in the desert that I can really have fun and I can decorate it as mine and, and still think it's okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I bought this beautiful, cool home. I mean, it was dilapidated and completely falling apart when we bought it, but we turned into this really special, magical place. Um, it's, on eight acres and right on the edge of the national park. And it's just amazing views right on the edge of the national park, but also just like five minutes from downtown Palm desert. So five minutes from the grocery stores and the shops and the restaurants, but you feel like you're out in the middle of nowhere. So it's like three homes on, on eight acres. And there's just all these pathways and little, just the outdoors is what's amazing. It's all these, it, it used to be called space ranch when the family built it originally. Cause like all the stars, um, they called it. We were ran- they were ranching stars because you can just see the most amazing stars. And every time I'm there, I always see a falling star. Um, and so, yeah, it just it was fun to be able to design a home that because there's a lot of stuff in the home that if it was a home that I lived in every day, it would drive me crazy. Like it's just it's not you know like for example in the living room we did all these amazing hand woven basket lights um, from um, Tunisia. And I think we had like 14 or 15 of them. Like if I had to look at that every day, it'd be too much, you know? So yeah. it's, it was fun to be able to do a home that is, it's really just for people to like vacation in and, and get away from, because you can do things that are a little more over the top because it's not something that anybody is going to have to look at every single day. Right. Right. So it was fun to kind of do that as a design. Cause often, you know, we're always designing homes that people live in and that, you know, function is key. But for this home, I got to be a little bit more avant-garde, a little more crazy with it yeah. because it wasn't just about the function of it. It really was about the emotions that it made you feel. Yeah. Ugh, that's so cool. Yeah, and then gorgeous. We, I just closed on another one that we're calling Casa Mallorca. Um, and that one's because it, it, it's like this cool stone home in the desert that kind of feels like a house in Mallorca. Um, and so again, we just closed on that one a couple of weeks ago. And so we're, we're starting the process of that one. That one will be eight bedrooms when we're done. It's perfect the way it is right now, but we're just, you know, adding five bedrooms, um, five baths. <laughs> just, just a few. Yeah, yeah. Just, just yeah, yeah, it's perfect extension. exactly the way it is, except for the fact that we're adding five bedrooms and five baths. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. And will you share? I Because anyway, I, I knew the house had its own Instagram. Um, so will you be sharing the process along the way too? Yeah, yeah, we probably will. We probably will. Uh, it might, maybe not along the way, but in okay. the end, we will That's go across this. Yeah. I just yeah. know people love a good fixer-upper situation, so I was wondering. Well, it's interesting. This yeah, house, it's Casa Mallorca, it's actually, I wouldn't really call it a fixer-upper situation because the house really is, is like the main, the main house, like we're not really, we're not touching the main house except where the main house, we're adding 
two bedrooms on, so it'll be two attached casitas. Um, but like the the way the house looks will stay exactly the same. The kitchen, the kitchen isn't the way I would have done it if I had built it my own. It's some some interesting choices, um, but it's it's kind of perfect for what we're doing. And then then we're adding an ADU on the property that will be three bedrooms, three baths. So we're aesthetic wise, it, it's staying mm-hmm. this way it is. We're just kind of we're adding on to it. So where Casa Tierra was very much like a major before and after, mm-hmm. like every single surface of that property was was touched and fixed and, and brought back to the original love and beauty that it was when the family built it that built it back in the seventies and eighties. Um, but Casa Mallorca, it's it's pretty cool the way it is. We're just making it a little bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, we do have a design dilemma. If you are open to um, answering someone's question. Okay. So this is a question from Melanie. She says, hi, ladies and guests and Bobby. Love the show. I'm having a decorating dilemma in my living room as we speak. I just purchased the beautiful Annika rug from Ballard Designs to bring some color into my very neutral living room. I have a gray West Elm couch and coffee table, and I'm not interested in placing in replacing those larger pieces, but I am interested in finding drapery to tie in the colors of the rug, new throw pillows, and maybe some new artwork for the far right corner to replace the woman with the parasol painting that she already has. I like that one, though. <laughs> Any recommendations? I've attached some pictures of my space right now. Well, do, you're you're the one answering. So if you like it, tell her. Well, what what is the new rug? Because the rug that I'm seeing is still the same color as the sofa. Um, the new rug is. Here. She said she wanted to change some things up to infuse the color of the new rug. Is that the new rug under the sofa? Because it no, no, it's it's, not. it's a it's a lot more playful. Gonna... It has some blues and grays in it. It's sort of blue and white um, and like gray, and it kind of oh has... yeah okay. So there's still the color of the sofa in it. It's the base color, which is great. Um, okay, and so her question was curtains wise. Yes, new drapery and, she... and maybe I. I mean, if I were her, I would, if she's keeping that piece of art above the sofa, I would pull something from that. And it looks like like the lamp that she has also kind of has the color. It's hard to tell in the picture, but it looks like it has the color of the rug in it. So I think she kind of likes that, you know, peacock, tealish blue kind of color. Mm-hmm. But then it looks like the the painting, I can't really tell what it is, but the painting above the sofa has some like mauves and burgundies and merlots and stuff in it. Um I would probably do a curtain on the on more of a darker side because the walls, since they are all white and the the sofa is light, I think it would balance. I'm all about balance in design. So if you're doing, if you're going to have all white walls, I love all white walls. Um, but do something that balances that, and you know that could even be a, a darker panel, like a, the same kind of blue, or even it looks like there's some charcoal in that painting or some black. Um, but something that kind of breaks up all that white. Yeah. And then, but the, the parasol, I mean, I don't have a close up of it, so I can't, you know, say for sure, but I think the parasol painting is kind of cool. And if you're wanting to like, maybe like modernize that parasol painting, you could paint that ornate gold frame, like a cool modern solid color, because I love doing that with like 
more traditional frames that kind of mm -hmm. feel too old and don't go in a modern space because they're like that gilded gold, like doing it in a color or in white or in black, I think is really cool. What about like, should she add to either of those paintings or I don't know. Um, add to them? Well, like, you know, add more on the wall. Should she relocate <laughs> them? Keep them large. where they are? Yeah, they're both pretty large spaces. It looks like our pieces. It looks like those were kind of the only walls that those, you know, I, I can't see what's behind the camera, but it looks like those are kind of the only walls that those could go on. Mm -hmm. And she does have the nice faux plant that kind of fills up that area. Maybe adding some other objects on the wall by them that aren't pieces of, that aren't paintings or, or photographs that will that'll add some more dimension and interest to the wall instead of just having two, you know, rectangles and squares right across from each other. I always like doing that. And uh, one of the gallery walls in my office, we do, we have a lot of pieces of art, but then we also do some other little objects mist, mixed in with those. Um, some like brown, like wood objects and things like that. And some, some pottery things. And it just, it adds, it adds some more interest instead of just having a bunch of square pieces of art. Anything else you think she should do? Um, may, I, and I say this because I think that maybe some stuff on the coffee table, but it looks like one of those coffee tables that might like open up and go up high for you to eat off of. So maybe that's why she doesn't have anything on the coffee table. But I would, I would definitely style the coffee table. I would think it would add some more personality. But again, I don't know if she has kids that don't. She doesn't want to get stuff yanked off the coffee table, but... I would style the coffee table, you know, stack of books, mm -hmm. you know, a little plant that might droop down over the books, I think would be very nice. You know, some other like small little objects. Again, if she has kids and they're going to get to them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Melanie, so there you have it. Add some darker drapery panels, maybe add some things that are sculptural to your existing paintings, um, pillows, maybe to coordinate with the panels or something. Yeah, it looks like, I think if I recall, it looks like her pillows are coordinating with that new rug she's already getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks like a, a kind of a teal peacock blue. All right. Well, that seems yeah. that seems like pretty, pretty easy. You've, you've made good headway, Melanie. So <laughs> good job. All right. Well, Bobby, thank you so much. We of loved course. having you, loved getting to read your book. Everyone, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, and of course, pick up your book? Yeah. So on Instagram and TikTok, it's just Bobby. So at Bobby. Um, and then on, on X, it's um, at Bobby Burke. And then you can always find me at my website, bobbyburke.com. And that's B-O-B-B-Y-B-E-R-K.com. And your book is called... Wait, hold on. Write it home. Write it home. Write it home. <laughs> I know. Well, I knew we, we read it. Home, we swear. Whole... We did. <laughs> but there's... It's write it home. How good design is good for the mind. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, it was awesome. the, the second part that I was going to find. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, ladies. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. So excited to meet yep. you. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you, of course. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.